Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 47 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's the brilliant Mr. Nick Kirk. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, mate. How are Hello, you? Hello, Rich. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Are you all right? I'm good, and thank you for the the lovely traditional Richard Gill style welcome. <laughs> it's my pleasure, and what a guest! Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, delighted. Good man. Well, we're going to talk about your comedy career for the next forty five minutes to an hour or so. So, I'd like to kick off by asking you first off, how did you become a comedian in the first place? Yeah, I mean that's a. Uh... That's a slightly unusual one, probably compared to most comedians, uh, given the way it, it sort of started in a very winding kind of way. Um, I think the short version is there was a pandemic, but I'll give you a longer <laughs> version because that's that's just too short, really. Um, I mean, I've always I've always loved comedy, yeah. but um, and there's always probably been a little thing in the back of my mind saying oh, I'd love to try stand up, but I think there was a bigger voice saying, "But you're not funny enough." So I'd kind of always let the bigger voice rule and never really thought about giving it a try. Wow. Um, obviously, come 2020, the COVID pandemic hit and we were all locked down. Um, and I started watching a lot of online comedy, um, uh, you know, largely through um, Next Up to start with, because they were kind of one of the first ones to start trialing a lot of it. Um, and through watching their comedy festival they did in, in the sort of summer of 2020 um there was one show that just stood out for me and that was um stuart goldsmith's infinite sofa brilliant um, yeah so um for anyone that hasn't seen it it's it was basically a uh, an online interactive chat show that he did during during lockdown which had a number of comedy guests on that he would interview but he would also have 12 people as the sort of zoom audience who would interact with him and the guests um, and I, I sort of saw this as part of the next up and the following day started following, put in and, and got on the audience and was on the show the kind of following Monday. Uh, and gradually over the months, I started doing that more and more. And I began to enjoy starting to interact a bit with Stu and the other people. Um, so, so, just, so this was just as an audience member? Yeah, so wow. just a sort of regular audience member. But what Stu was doing as part of it was every... Monday morning before the show, he would have uh, um, all of this was on Twitch. He was streaming all of this. So on Twitch on a Monday morning, he would have a sort of virtual writer's room where people could pitch in ideas for the show and things that he would use and little silly games to do with the chat and things like that. And I started to pitch stuff in there and some of it started to get used. And I was thinking, oh, actually, this is quite fun. I'm actually not just an audience member. I'm now contributing wow. to a comedy show. Um, off the back of that, I decided to do an online improv car class so that I'd be better at interacting when I was on the show. So at this point, I still wasn't thinking about doing stand-up. I was just thinking, I like doing this show. I want to be a better audience member of this show. I should try doing a bit of a comedy course to be a better interactor and part of the show. This is ambitious. Yeah, so it's, uh, but all of this I would never have done if we weren't locked down in our homes yeah, and yeah. didn't have access to these kind of 
new online ways of entertainment. Um, So I did that for a little while. And right towards the end of 2020, um, one of my kind of fellow audience members and a friend of mine, uh, Leslie Gold, who you've spoken to as well um, previously, um, she she'd contacted a number of the audience members for the show and said, well, I'm, I'm a stand-up. I've already been doing stand-up before the pandemic. If I put on an online show, would people be interested in trying some stand-up? Because basically it was a group of comedy nerds, but most of them were aspiring in their heads, aspiring stand-ups as well, really, even if we didn't realise it. Um, and she messaged me to say, oh, I think you should put in for this show. I think you'd be good at stand-up. You know, my first response was, oh, really? I, I don't think I could write something. <laughs> funny um but she pushed and said no 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 i think you should go for it and i said okay i'll, I'll give it a try um wrote a routine uh, yeah, about nice. about my uh the weird things my nephews say and did that on the 27th of december 2020 and have been doing stand-up ever since so wow. I'm, I'm relatively new to all of this well but, done uh, that's fantastic that's fantastic and and this is um we're going to talk about the comedy club sofa so funny later but this, yeah. the, there's more there's obviously a lot more to it to that you yeah. you do um presumably you do five minute sets is that how you get into it in in different clubs with with friends yeah so to start with it was it, it's it's five minutes is how you how you start proving your time yeah. uh, and obviously because i started in december 2020 that first four or five months I was doing stand-up, it was all online-only, Zoom-only gigs like this setup here. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I was fortunate in that the So For So Funny ones and a couple of the others, ones like G&B Comedy, had sort of audiences who would respond. Yeah. So that I was quite lucky in that quite a few of the Zoom gigs I did, did I did get a response. So it kind of prompted me to, to keep going. Um, but yeah, you start off with fives, uh, and then once you've proved yourself to promoters, they'll start to offer you a little bit longer yeah, spot. Yeah. They'll they'll invite you back for, um, you know, tens if they've got them. Um, so I've been starting to do more, uh, a lot more ten spots recently. Good man. Um, and recently, one promoter offered me a, a sort of fifteen to twenty minute spot. Um, Good last month, which was really nice. So, because like I said, I've only been going for about fourteen, fifteen months, so it's quite unusual to get offered a longer spot like that, that good good that man that's 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 fantastic very ambitious again yeah. you know because you're you're it's i i say to a lot of the comedians it's all up presumably it's all about experience yeah. the more you do the more you can build it up and etc and and certainly one of the main things about my blog is that i support up and coming new comic talent as well as the traditional comedians um and Many, many comedians have gone by where, where I have been their best friend in the audience. I've, 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 I've been the friend who they've gone along with and laughed in all the right places. <laughs> I, can, I can certainly attest to that one. <laughs> but, I, but I love to do it because if, there's a, if they've got a talent, you can clearly see. And it's wonderful. Another reason why the blog exists is watching comedians grow. So um, uh, only recently I was talking to Harry Hill and he still holds the record for the um, best opening line I've ever heard, which would have been about 30 years ago, where he, we, I watched him downstairs at the King's Head 
and he All was right, yeah. and, he, and he and he was late for the show. He brushed past me, climbed up onto the stage, and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I I I I'm sorry I'm late. I had to have a testicle brought down." And there was a pause, and he said, "From Derby," and it was the best <laughs> opening line I've ever heard. And when I challenged him on this, he said, oh, "I still use it to this day." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love wonderful. Harry Hill. I'm a huge, huge <laughs> oh, fan of that kind of thing. I mean, anyway, anyway, um, another that. <laughs> Where was your first ever gig and what was it like? So you're there busy doing your um, online uh, audience participation at Stuart yeah. Lee's um, online show. Stuart Goldsmith. Sorry, Stuart Lee. Stuart Goldsmith. I beg <laughs> your pardon. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, what, where was your first ever live gig? Yeah, so um, my first ever live gig would have been about May, May of twenty twenty one. So right. yeah, just a, not, not even a year ago now. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and that was at um, Fulham Comedy Club in that one, wow. um, uh, and that was a um, as as quite often happens with a lot of the open mic gigs. That was a, a bringer gig, so I needed to bring someone with me in order to perform. It's quite a sort of standard standard practice in the open mic world and as with everything in comedy there's like two camps there are people who think you know the bringers are, are great and it's a good way to get um an, an audience along to a gig who wouldn't normally come to an open mic gig and there are those who think well actually you know promoters should be promoting a gig to get an audience in rather exactly, than relying yeah. on the acts to bring an audience in so there's always a, a two streams of thought on that um uh, I think for me, like, I'm happy to do bringer gigs. The only thing is, it's just additional admin because you've got to find people to come. <laughs> well, now you know me. If you need somebody there, I'm there. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Audience, of course. <laughs> You're very kind. And, um, um, yeah, so um, it was, uh, and I, I think what really what really helped, given that I was my, it was kind of my second first gig in a way because I'd done gigs online. What that what the online gigs helped me with was one remembering material, yeah. So having that all all down in my head, and two, not panicking if people didn't respond to a joke because a lot of the online gigs you don't necessarily get much of a response, so you just keep going because yeah. you just have to hope that people are enjoying it somewhere in the background if they're not necessarily responding. Yeah. So it meant that I wasn't going to be phased if people didn't respond. Um, the, the difficult things, I think, with the first time I did a live gig were things like, um, where do I hold the microphone and how do I stand? Because I haven't really been, I've just been doing gigs in kind of yeah. this space here. So yeah. I was quite static. I don't think I moved very much because I wasn't used to um, moving around. Um, That's really interesting. I, so interesting. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, other, other than the other than the blog, the most creative thing I ever did was um, write a play, uh, uh, which is a half an hour, and it's called The Applicant, and it's it's uh, uh, me and my mate did it for Comic Relief, but I wrote it for the Edinburgh nice. Fringe, and uh, we put this on in twenty oh seven, and the play is all about uh, it's basically me coming down from Carlisle, got a successful girlfriend uh, with a job in London. And I've never been interviewed before. And I and, and so it goes, um, 
uh, waiting room interview, waiting room interview, with, and it builds up. And in the waiting room, he's never had an interview, so he's looking around nervous, and he's chatting, starts chatting to the audience. Now, so I wrote all these great monologues. And um, on the first night we did it, I ran out and I forgot the monologue, and I was like a rabbit in headlights, and I'd written the bloody thing. And my question is, when you say about remembering lines... How do you go about doing that? Do you, uh, um, uh, have, with this very early experience being online, getting to learn, has it become easier to learn them as you go along? Yeah, I mean, I think like, everyone has different processes for how, yeah. they, how they do material. You know, a lot of people will just have, you know, some bullet points and keywords that they want to hit and they might not necessarily be fully specific about a lot of the wording around what they're doing. They'll have some set phrases, obviously, and key funny words and lines they want to use, but they'll probably be a bit more open to letting themselves kind of move around. Yeah. I'm I'm very scripted in, in what I do. I have to write it out in full, and I'm very much a kind of notebooks kind, wow. of, kind of person. So I'll draft it out in full, and as I go through and redraft it a few times, um, what I find is I draft it out in full and there'll be a lot in it. And as I redraft it, I'll narrow it down to the funny core, trying to cut out all the unnecessary words and phrases. Because I, as you can probably, I'm talking a lot, so you can tell I tend to over, <laughs> <laughs> over, overwrite, overuse words. Yeah. So it's all about in that initial drafting, trying to cut it down to the real nuggets of the funny stuff. Mm. And then as I'm rewriting it, that kind of helps me to memorize it in one respect, you know, and I, and I kind of have then a separate notebook that I sort of transcribe into once it's the routine I'm going to do on stage. Um, and then before the first time I do it, I will do it out loud in my room about, you know, however many times I need to, to, to cement it in my head. It still doesn't stop you having those occasional times where you go up and you forget what the words are, you know, yeah. but it's just the way the brain works sometimes. <laughs> and, and and following on from that, what do you like to talk about on stage? Do you have any specific themes at all? I think a lot of my stuff tends to be... I was thinking I, one of the questions we get asked a lot, obviously, is um, to describe ourselves. Like promoters particularly like us to have a bio and to encapsulate, you know, what sort of comedy you are obviously because if they're putting a mixed bill together they want to try and work out who they're putting together what types they've got but i always find it very hard to try and pigeonhole it i mean i'd say it's kind of storytelling um recently i was kind of thinking of the phase is probably more thought experiments because i'll pick a subject and let my mind wander on it and then the routine will be the wanderings of my mind on that particular thing um i, I think it's probably fair to say there are things i'm avoiding talking about at the moment i'm trying not to really talk about friends or family because i feel like that's a little unfair to them yeah. to to talk about them and you know unless i speak to them beforehand and say oh, i'm going to talk about this do you mind um i do do a routine where i mention my parents but the routine is i can't get any material off them because i had a nice upbringing so it's not like a, <laughs> i'm not saying anything it's not so bad um, yeah um so, I'd, uh, yeah, I don't tend to do stuff that's personal in that respect, but I would do stuff that's personal in that it's about me and the way my mind works and the sort of things I I think. Um, so I think, and, and I like, I've got some routines that also play around with 
the structure of comedy. And I know that's, you know, from speaking to a lot of comedians, that's stuff that new comedians tend to do a lot because yeah. you're like, oh, I've learned these rules, so now I can show you how how to break them. Oh, look at me, aren't I clever? <laughs> I, but I just quite like I just quite like meta type of jokes as well. You know, jokes about jokes. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. I love I love um, jokers. I love comedians who actually tell jokes, one liners. Uh, one line oh, merchants are just incredible. I mean, I love them, but I I can't do it. I mean, I've I've tried it. Um, I did quite a few online courses, you wow. know, some about just about writing, some about writing and performance. Um, and one of them um, done by a comedian called Grunya Maguire. I don't know if you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I know her well, yeah. Yeah, she does an excellent course on writing. Yeah. Um, and it gives you lots of exercises and tools to try. And she goes through lots of different types of joke and, and humour to give you that toolkit. And she does stuff around one-liners. And I've tried doing it and my brain just wanders too much. So I start writing a one-liner, and then I write all this other stuff around it, and it becomes far more bloated. So my wow. brain's just not kind of that's, geared that's, to just. That's fascinating because I think I think what you're trying to do is find your uniqueness as well, and yeah. I think through that, and I think I think you have done when I've seen you live. It's it's right. it's, it's 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 an extraordinary act. Um, I um, had a go at stand-up comedy once. I've told this to a lot of comedians. But it was so uh, um, off the scale, it put me off. <laughs> I, I, I know a promoter who um, uh, it was in Edinburgh and, and he said, uh, I said, I want to get uh, to, be, to have a go at stand up comedy. And um, I think I can get it out of my system just to see what it's like. And he said, well, we've got a, a gong show for old women, um, for, for old people in Edinburgh. Um, on a Monday afternoon, it couldn't be worse, it was pouring down, there was three people in the crowd. And I wrote this script about me crashing cars in Carlisle because I'd just passed my driving test. And he liked it, so he, so he said, go on and see how long you can do. So I walked out, and I, the first thing I said was, hello, ladies and gentlemen, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And I was expecting a reaction that you've just given. One old bloke in the back just went... Fuck off and gong me <laughs> And I walked off to my own footsteps and the promoter said, have another go, have another go. And I said, and the same thing happened. And I, and I said, um, I said, I don't know about comedy, I said, but sitting in the audience is where is where I belong, supporting them all forevermore. And it's and it's fascinating when you say that's that's why I like to ask the question, because each comedian is different, because as I say, they're trying to find their uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just, and everyone's different. Not just in, like you said, in their voices and their persona yeah. and, the, and the way they do it. But everyone's different in the way that they write and the way they create. Nobody, there is no kind of standard way. I don't think mm. it's different mm. for everyone. There's probably some similarities between some people because I mean, there's only probably a limited numbers of way you can write. But, um, but um, yeah, it is fascinating. It, it just everyone has their own thing. I mean, I, like I said, I did a lot of online courses, a lot of like master classes online with, with some established comedians, yeah, people yeah. like Mark Watson, Jess Foster Q, Brilliant. Um, uh, Josie Long, um, uh, and, and every one of them, you know, said something very different because they've all got very different styles. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But what's useful is you try and pick out the things that one are kind of common. So you see the kind of themes that come up a lot. And two, the things that just sort of speak to you to say, Oh yeah, I'd, I'd like to work like that. That makes sense for me. 
I think advice is something that you have to pick the stuff that you think fits well for what you're doing. We had we had Mark Watson on here on uh, interviewed on here, and you could tell the his support for all the new comedians yeah. was paramount. He was extraordinary, and and he's always on the lookout. You know, when he when he's when he's on tour, he's always recommending comedians and stuff when you meet him. Um, it is it is fascinating. Follow, following on from that, have you entered yet into any com- comedy competitions? Yes, yeah, I've done a couple. So yeah. I did um, I did one that was new this year, the West End New Act of the Year competition. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough to get as far as the semi-final in that. Well one. done, so you. Just... Well done, you. Lovely. That's yeah, fantastic. Really yeah, good. First competition and, and got as far as the semi-final, which is great because... Um, the uh, guy who's running it, Steve McLean, um, he's he's then running a, a kind of showcase show up sure. in Edinburgh this year for everyone that got through to the final, got their first pick of spots. And then once everyone who was in the final had chosen everything, he's then given people who got through to the semifinals some spots as well. So I've actually got... Um, at the moment, four spots up in up in Edinburgh at the festival this year. So you're going. It's lovely. I will I see am, you there. there. <laughs> you will. You will indeed. Oh man, that's 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 wonderful. And and what was your feeling of of um, uh, getting through to the semi final in the comedy competition? Do you do you think they are a good thing? Do you think they help promote a comedian? I think that's a tricky one for me to judge yet because I've only really yeah. done one, yeah. so I can't really tell. I mean, if, what it what it is and what it seems to be really is it's just a way of saying to promoters, um, "Oh, you you can you can probably trust this person to to have something that people will find funny." Yeah, not yeah. necessarily everyone because they're all acts are different, but <laughs> they've at least proven themselves enough to get somewhere in a competition. So it's it's just something you put on your comedy cv and it says to a promoter um yeah oh this person can be funny that's Um, a really good answer that's really good considering you've only done the one and you and many many more because you're you're so so good on a stage it's it's as i say it's wonderful to see um when when you walk out onto a stage you always give me the impression that you're extremely confident and you're determined to make the audience laugh do you suffer from any nerves before you go on stage? And if so, how do you cope with them? I think I I get... I mean, yes, I think there's always an, some small element of nerves. Um, I think if you get... I think if you get too complacent, then you risk not being good. Mm. Um, you, you probably need that edge of some nerves to give you the adrenaline to help push the performance it depends on the it does depend on the venue though if i'm in a if i'm in a pub and it's an open mic gig where the audience is just you know eight ten other comedians then i'm not going to be so nervous about that i think when i tend to get nervous is when i'm trying new material is the main one if i haven't tried something yet um i i every new routine i always think it's just not going to be as funny as the last thing until i do it and somebody laughs (laughs) Mm. Um, but my head always says just looking at it written down and just saying it my head's always like well this isn't as funny as the last thing (laughs) Um, and then when people start laughing my brain goes oh well okay you can use this Um, 
and then, so I get nervous then and I get sometimes a little bit nervous if it's somewhere where I don't know the promoter or the venue right. so I don't know what um, I don't know what sort of gig it's, it's going to be um, but yeah but, I, I but do I think, get nervous but I think my you talked about kind of the way I come on yeah. that's almost like a deliberate trick for my own brain so I don't come on and start talking straight away I always come on and sort of pause a little bit and almost see if I can make the audience a little bit uncomfortable because it's a little bit about putting the control in in my hands and then once <laughs> I, and I, you talked as well about like Harry Hill doing a yeah, yeah coming in with a joke that was the advice I got from a lot of the workshops and that I did was be as funny as you can as quick as you can make people laugh straight off as much as, as close as you can that buys you the leeway to then maybe set something else up because yeah. people have gone oh he's funny and they relax and then if you're taking a little bit of time to set up the next thing they at least think oh well he is going to go somewhere with this because he's he's already made me laugh so what's, i'll give him time what's what's wonderful about you um is that when when i watch you live you have this confidence to walk on which is very it's not endearing but it makes the audience want to listen to more of what you're saying and because you've got that you can then get away and say whatever you like as long as you've yeah. got them on your side and, it, and, it, and it's right the comedian has to go I believe straight away with a joke or a funny line and the audience can tell straight away whether or not they're going to enjoy it, I think, because yeah. I've seen so many over the years. And I, yeah. and, and, and I think you've got it in droves. It's, it's, it's effortless with you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. But I'm, I'm glad you say that because that's, that's the intention, is to try and get people uh, on, on side and buoy yeah. in, but without doing that. I mean, I think the thing I find is doing a lot of open mic gigs, obviously you have a lot of people on the bill. Sure. And if you've had three or four people in a row who've come on and said, you know, oh, hi, how is everyone tonight? It's like by the third person that said that, it's like we're the same as we were two acts ago. And, and so I don't ever want to start with that kind of, hi, how is everyone, that kind of audience yeah, interaction. Yeah. I don't think that's me, really. No. Um, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, exactly. The, the, um, it's interesting because I went to Birdies on the Strand, the free comedy night, which is run by Jimmy Bird, who's a professional comic. And the resident MC is Brendan O'Donoghue, who's like Frank Carson on acid. He's, he's, he's hilarious, this content. And it was literally, there was about 20 comedians on. And what you're looking for in that environment is someone with originality and, and who's unique, who could stand out. So I saw the likes of Big Slayton, Josh Balfe, um, Darren Walsh was there and these people you could see just had whatever it was to continue and, and look at where they are now so good luck to you my friend keep going I wish you every success I think I, I, as soon as I saw you I thought this guy's funny and and there there I was laughing at you my friend um, well, that's high praise from this audience <laughs> my pleasure um Let's move on to Edinburgh. Have you been to the Edinburgh Fringe before? Have you been as a punter? You've never been. No, I've never been. I'm a, I, wow. I was going to go for the first time in 2020. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you know there was a pandemic. So Apparently there was something yeah. horrible right around the world that stopped bloody everything. Um, yeah. But, so, yeah, so this year will actually be my uh, first time. So I'm 
Oh, I'm mainly right. going as a punter because I haven't really been before. Right. But given I got, got offered some spots, I was like, well, yeah, I'll yeah. definitely do that while I'm, well, while they, I'm there. They, they, but mostly I want to actually just go and see what the festival's like oh, and you, take you, it in. You and, will love it. Um, You'll absolutely love it. My, I guess enjoy it before it becomes something I work at. <laughs> my, my holidays, I've been very fortunate enough to be able to go to the Edinburgh Fringe since 2005. That was my first one. And the only two I've missed are the last two years. Mm, and yeah. you, and you, the train gets into Waverley, you step off the train and the atmosphere hits you. It's extraordinary. I'm, I'm one of these sad comedy nerds who do a spreadsheet of every single act I'm going to try and squeeze in to see. And by the end of the week, I've seen about 50 shows. And yeah. I, I, I need a holiday by the time I come back. I'm exhausted. <laughs> but it's just, the best, it's just the best thing. And to see... Certainly this year, with it being, I mean, I mean, it did take place last year, but it was a very, yeah. very limited thing. Um, yeah. Lots of new and established comics have got brand new shows. So they'll, so and it's their seventy fifth birthday. So you know what a oh, yeah, what course. a year to go. Um, I'm I'm fifty five. They're all they're all laughter lines, but um, I'm. Uh, 55 in August, and the Fringe is 75, so it couldn't be better. We've got um, Mervyn Stutter coming on 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 my, on my blog. Mervyn Stutter is the legendary compare of the lunchtime show. He's been doing it for 30 oh, years, right. and um, uh, I go and see him every year I go because it, it sets you up for the day. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. But you will have an absolute blast, my friend. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll definitely join you at one of the lunchtime shows. Definitely, I'm. I'm. I'm going. Uh, I know this will. This will have happened uh, presumably by the time this this recording goes out. But I'm going. I normally go the midweek. Uh, there's three weeks. So I'll go the middle week. So I'm going Sunday the fourteenth to the twenty first. So I will see you there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good I'm there night. the eighth to the. I'm there the eighth to the nineteenth. So definitely. Oh well, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Do do let me know when you're on, and I will come and see you. Come hell or high water. <laughs> All right, mate. So, so yeah. So the Edinburgh, uh, the Edinburgh Fringe is going to be amazing. Um, yeah. Let's move on to sofa so funny. I was um, standing at the bar, uh, always be comedy, which is a regular comedy club I go to, and there was lovely Leslie Gold persuading me to come to a night at sofa so funny. Um, I've seen you live there. The Two times I've been there. It's every month, um, uh, every second, second Monday. Second Monday. Yeah, uh, and it's a, and it's at London Bridge. Um, uh, um, I've seen you twice there. One of the times was comparing, and one of the times was a routine. Please, can you describe your writing process if you've got one, and where you get your ideas from for the routines? Um, yeah, I think probably a couple of different ways that routines come together so sometimes it does come out of doing things like writing prompts and exercises I've gotten a couple of routines out of uh, of just taking a subject and doing a writing exercise around it and then that's kind of morphed into into a routine I can use but more often than not it they, if it, it feels like this is the kind of thing where everyone's like oh it's a, it's a sort of this is what you expect happens, but but something will something will just come into my head as a as a collection of a couple of thoughts. I'll start writing it, and then either it will blossom into a full routine, 
just stop short and there just won't be enough there to make it into into something usable i think as well the way i write is like i said i tend to have i don't do sort of short jokes and bits that i can chop and change they're always kind of you know two to four minute segments that that are themed around something and i'll try and get as many funny funny lines or funny points in that two to four minutes about that thing as i can um, someone very kindly said to me recently, they were like, your stuff always seems very densely packed in that you, you've you got quite a lot of um, points where you put sort of jokes in. And I think that comes out of, like I said to you earlier, writing long and then sort of distilling it yeah. down to try and get rid of any words you don't need to get to the next funny bit. I agree with that. I think, I've, uh, I think in the in the time that you've got you do cram in as much comedy as you can, which is obviously the whole point of the, the whole point of the thing. Um, yeah. and it and it works. Every, every every time it worked, it was it 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 was so so good. Um, did you find comparing different to hosting to to um to a show routine? Yeah, very different. Yeah. Um. So that the time you came to see me emceeing yeah. is was my first time, and so far my only time. I haven't emceed again yet, but I will. I would like to emcee again, so hopefully I will get the chance. And again, that was very kindly. Leslie offered me the chance because she normally emcees. So yeah. so funny, but she was uh, accepting a comedy award that night. So. Well, there we are. <laughs> so, um, so I got the chance. But yeah, it's um, it's a, it is a very different thing because. When you're doing a five, ten, or even fifteen minute spot, you're really only worried about going up and doing your bit in the show, and then you're not really, other than enjoying the other acts, you're not really invested in the show itself for the rest of that. You're just outside of doing your routine. You're effectively another punter just watching and enjoying yeah. the show for everyone else. Whereas obviously, when you're emceeing, you are, um, you know, you're holding everything about the show in your head. So you're making sure you've got the running order right. You're making sure people keep to time and don't overrun so that you can get everyone in and get the show done before a, before a specific time. Uh, and also, um, I had a couple of little bits prepared, but un- unlike my usual stuff where I've talked about, you know, it's very written, it's very scripted. I just had to have a couple of ideas of things I could maybe do with the audience to to fill time in between it. Um, I spoke to one of the other acts who was on that night beforehand because he does a lot of emceeing and he gave me some uh, some advice, as did Leslie, obviously. Um, you know, one of the things that I didn't appreciate is what an emcee will do is um, you have to regulate the audience. So it's not just if somebody doesn't do as well as they've hoped, you've got to bring the audience back up again. Mm-hmm. If somebody actually absolutely smashes it, Actually, you've got to do the opposite. You've got to bring the audience back down so that the next act doesn't suffer from being yeah. on from someone who's had a huge response. So it's like those sort of things. I mean, fortunately, I didn't have to worry about that at the Sofa So Funny because the acts were all good. So yeah. it was a consistent level of audience response throughout. And the audience is very good as well. So that it helps. <laughs> yeah. always helps. What? There was a guy in the front row who was brilliant. I can't remember his uh, <laughs> Somebody, uh, um, I can't remember his name either. <laughs> Robert something, Robert Groves. I think, yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, um, uh, that that is interesting because um, 
the compares that I've seen, certainly during lockdown, um, I would go to um, Always Be Comedy or Return of the Crack, the Jareth Regan one, or Sean James's one, and you could see that they were trying to control the audience from the acts uh, uh, in between. And certainly, if I go to Always Be Comedy live, just before he comes on, you can see James Gill psyching himself up, and then he's away. It's yeah. it's it, it's extraordinary the techniques that they use. Yeah, the one thing I hadn't pre- appreciated was the amount of extra energy that mm. being an MC can, consumes. Because yeah, I mean, and it makes sense. It's just basic maths. Normally, mm. you do by whatever five, ten, fifteen minutes. For this, you're on throughout the whole two hours, mm. up mm. and down, up and mm. down in mm. between the acts. So you, your adrenaline levels keep spiking every time you go back up um and the next day i was absolutely wrung out and i just hadn't really <laughs> expected that um i think as well i was more keyed up because it was my first time yeah, doing it of course. and yeah. it was someone else's regular show so i was conscious of not absolutely spoiling it you know yeah. <laughs> so um, all those kind of things made me sort of more keyed up than i probably probably would have been so it meant that i had an absolute massive crash the next <laughs> You're you're not alone, my friend. I I am I am wrung out after every comedy gig I go to. Yeah. I can't I can't think why. <laughs> <laughs> and I did kind of steal a little bit from uh, from James Gill slightly in my emceeing, in that he often gives out sweets to people, and I use some chocolate <laughs> as a reward for, for a little audience. You did a mild mild competition, <laughs> and that worked. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So you're you've only been going eighteen months. Yeah. Do you have any ambitions as a comedian? Would you like to be on TV? Would you like to be on radio? Would you like to play the O two? Come on, big ambitions. I, I think um, so. I'm, a, I'm by day. I'm a project manager, so I, I think in stages. I think in phases. <laughs> so my so my first phase is good get better that's my first ambition is keep doing it keep gigging as much as you can get get better at it um i think my next ambition would be i would like to get to the point that i do um an hour show i think i would like to i would like to have you know a a 45 minute to an hour um solo show so that will be edinburgh one year soon Maybe Edinburgh, yeah. or at the very least, maybe some of the other fringes. You yeah, know, um, yeah. Maybe start out with ones like kind of um, Brighton, Camden, yeah. um, Leicester, if I can get. I know Leicester's yeah. obviously kind of a bigger deal than that, but I, I think the expense of Edinburgh is something you have to yeah. Factor weigh in. up as well, because mm. um, there's there's the there's the travel costs, yeah. uh, there's the accommodation as well as actually yeah. the venue and the flyering and all that kind of stuff that I've heard tell is the is the kind of big. So I think that's the immediate issue. Beyond that, um, I don't really know. I mean, my main ambition, like I said, is that I just want to be good at doing it. I think because I've come to it um, later in life, you know, I, I, ha- I have a job, so I, I can afford to um, do this in my in my sort of evenings yeah, and weekends. Yeah. But uh, there will probably come a point where, you know, I'll be I'll be gigging more, I'll get offered more, and I might have to start thinking about what that means for. I was ju- I was just going to ask you. I know I know it's only been eighteen months, but has there been a point in that eighteen months where you think, yes, I'm quite good at this. I can I can do this forevermore. It's a it's a weird thing. I'm a I'm a naturally, sort of naturally, 
introverted, not in the sense of like I don't talk to people, but I get uh, the way I see an introvert is I'm somebody that gets needs energy and recharge time being on their own. You know, I need that kind of headspace of being on my own, and I'm also naturally sort of slightly self-deprecating so that and very very english in that respect so the idea of like thinking of oneself as like yeah i'm good at this and i can do it is very difficult to to do but i am coming to the i have in recent months been coming to the point where i'm thinking yeah i can, I can do this yeah and I, and I can be funny but that's that, good that still comes with the worry of can i keep being funny can i come up with new funny and that's the that's always the big worry I've got some stuff I've done that is funny, but can I keep it up indefinitely? And can I can I do enough? Can I generate enough to maybe move it into being something more than just something I do in my evenings and weekends? What is I don't what, know. What is particularly impressive when I when I watch you is the calmness around you. You 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 you've got a very calm delivery, but it's it's intelligent and very clever and um, you're you're very dry as well, which makes it all the more funnier. And yeah. and um, I'm I, I want I, I I wanted to say that to you because I think that's that's a unique point about you. And straight away I thought this guy's good. This guy's really funny in his. Delivery. Oh, thanks, man. I pre- I appreciate that. I think that's the sort of humour that appeals to. I mean, I like lots of different humour. Yeah. I like people who are who do, can do big and shouty and expressive yeah. and ranting. I like people who can do weird and surreal and off the wall. And I like people who are dry and deadpan worth sort of thing. Yeah. I think I'm more disposed towards, like you said, the, the drier, the deadpan thing. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting you say that at work, I've often been referred to as like a calming influence. Yeah. Uh, and I think as a, you know, like I said, I'm a project manager by day. And part of that is you've got to be the person in the middle that everyone trusts and everyone can go to and isn't the one that's having the dramas and having the issues and yeah. you're the one that has to resolve everything. So I think that probably carries over into into the comedy. It's like I'm, in, I'm just telling you all this stuff that's yeah. going on in my head, but yeah. you know, I'm the calm centre of it in the middle. Good lad, good man. Moving on from that, uh, and, the, and, and there is a link with the different types of comedy, who are your favourite comedians past and present were you grow when you were growing up? Did you have comedy in the house? Have you always enjoyed comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always been a big, big sort of comedy nerd from from like a very young age, um, and that comes from like mum and dad showing us loads of comedy stuff. So I, I got a, a love of things like um, Spike Milligan and Monty Python from my parents. Um, they would show us stuff like Young Ones, Blackadder, so all that kind of stuff we got into. So there was always always kind of comedy in the house I grew up watching and you know classic stuff I'd watch with the grandparents as well so particularly when we were around at my my sort of dad's parents place with my granddad we'd often be watching um Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy um and then you know Morecambe and Wise and sort of classic stuff like Hancock and Steptoe so all those kind of things I, I grew up with them sort of seeping in and then as I started to get probably sort of you know from the age of sort of 10 11 12 getting into teenage years I started to get into, I think, stand-up that's probably more accessible for kids at the time. So people like Lenny Henry and, to an extent, Ben Elton and, and people like that, uh, Jasper Carrot, all yeah. that sort of stuff around that time, I think was a lot more... Um, it, it's almost slightly more family-oriented stand-up. So it's a way into into the kind of 
um, edgy stuff. And then, you know, as I got into uh, teenage years, it's people like um, you know, Eddie Izzard and, and so on and so forth, you know, all those kind of things. But to an extent, my favourite um, comedians is often whoever I've seen recently, you know, and I think there's there's tons of brilliant <laughs> comedians there's out so there. so many. At the moment, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, and I, I discovered loads through lockdown, through watching loads of online comedy as well. So yeah. like people like um, who I'd seen before, but never properly, but online were doing lots of stuff. So Josie Long, Jess Foster Q, Maisie Adam, Mark Watson, oh, Tim oh. Key. Yeah. Um, obviously, Stuart Goldsmith was an influence. Uh, Colin Holt, who plays yeah. Anna Mann, yeah. was another one I started doing um Collins online shows and and taking part in them and doing sort of funny interactions with um, with Anna that um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, yeah I think there's kind of there's and you know and the, I, I think the risk is whenever you start naming favourites people will be like oh, why didn't you name that one I'm like oh because I, <laughs> I, I could sit here for about an hour and just list comedians <laughs> names that I like you know oh yeah John Luke Roberts and Alistair King and all yeah, I could just Stuart oh, Lee no, 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 no. yeah. And and, um, and and following on from that, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Yeah, more so now. I think I've, I always liked to, but there was a period in my life where I didn't go to a huge amount of comedy because the work and life meant that that wasn't um, feasible to go out a lot and do that sort of thing. Um, but I'm at a point now where I sort of can do that. So, yeah, and... Again, particularly since I started watching a lot of online stuff during lockdown, since lockdown has eased and we've gone back out again, I've then been going and seeing those people live yeah, to actually yeah. sort of um, um, see them kind of properly. And, you know, like you said, Always Be Comedy is always a, a great venue for um, for that. You know, I recently saw Stuart Lee yeah. and Mike Wozniak doing shows, yeah. saw Maisie Adam. Um, who else? Adam Hess, who I really enjoyed, Michael Adewale, you know, all these kind of people that I probably wouldn't have heard of before, um, but I have now discovered through through lockdown. Um, yeah, brilliant. definitely, obviously, always be comedy. Bill Murray's a good venue as well yeah, for yeah. those. There's so many good ones, there's so many good venues. Um, if, if you're on a bill, do you tend to stay and watch all the acts that are on the bill? Yeah, yeah, pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, it. It sounds a bit noble when you say that at the open mic level, most of the time you're expected to stay and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. watch because sometimes the comedians are a fair chunk of the audience. So, you know, of it's, course, and yeah. I, I, but I genuinely think it's just good to support other acts. Of course it's, it is. Yeah. it's good to see other acts. Yeah, it's good to yeah. see how other people do comedy. And, you know, I was going to say, you know, it, it gives you ideas and that obviously the big no-no is stealing other people's jokes. I don't mean that. I don't mean I write down what someone says and think, oh, I could say that. It might, it might spark something. Yeah. Someone doing a specific topic might make your brain go, oh, actually, I've got something different, but around that where I could go. So I think, and, and actually, the one thing I found that was, you know, maybe a little bit surprising is, and I, obviously I'm not at a professional level, so I can't talk for that, but certainly at the open mic level, it's very supportive. You know, every it, it feels like a community. And actually, so, yeah. you, you enjoy seeing other people and you enjoy yeah. catching up with them and seeing someone that you like again is always yeah. fun. And, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to catch up with people that you like. And um, you mentioned it earlier as well about seeing an act 
progress. Yeah. Um, and I've seen that with, you know, my peers on the open mic circuit. They probably said the same about me as well. They've seen, we've seen each other do gigs, you know, nine months ago, and we're seeing each other again now. And it's, it might be some of the same material, but it's different. It is different, and it has moved and it has progressed. Even if maybe the material hasn't changed much, people's performances change and the way they do it. Um, and that's fascinating to watch. I mean, I'm a like I said, I'm a comedy nerd first what and a, foremost. What a wonderful answer! <laughs> so, yeah. so I was always fascinated in the how, yeah. and I still am. Yeah, I still yeah, am yeah, fascinated yeah. in the how other people are doing it, and just watching other people do it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So you do you do something like that? That's brilliant. I wouldn't think to do that. You know, that's that's fantastic. Um, the the reason why I've asked the last three questions is um, that uh, there's a section in my blog called the ones that got away. And I've seen, as I said at the start, over a thousand comedians. My first, the first comedian I ever saw was Les Dawson in nineteen seventy-seven, oh, nice. and and then the year later we saw Tommy Cooper, who was amazing, oh. and in and then it went on into I saw Rick Mail, I saw Bill Hicks, I saw French and Saunders, everybody uh, in the alternative boom, and then right through to now, where there's just such an an influx of them. But as I say, there's a there's a section in my blog called the ones that got away. And top of the tree there were Morecambe and Wise. I would have loved to have seen them. Um, but also Dave Allen, I missed. Um, Bob Monkhouse, I missed. I, I, I would have loved to have seen those because um, they're, they're, they're part and fabric of British comedy. You know, they really yeah. are. They're, but there's but but there's I've written twenty five of them in the in 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 the blog. There's very very few I haven't seen. I've been very very fortunate. Um, I just I just love it like you, and I'm I'm as big a nerd if not bigger. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm envious of some of those ones that you've seen. I'd love to have seen Les Dawson. Oh, he was he, he was incredible. He really yeah. Was. Um, you've mentioned about how you started off um online. Um, how did you find online gigs as opposed to live comedy gigs? And what do you think the future is for comedy? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I um, I, I have a different perspective to, to comedians who just went out and started doing live comedy because I started online. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a fondness for it and I definitely think there's, a, there's still a place for it. Um, the difficulty I think with online stuff is getting an an audience there. You know, I was lucky in that some of the so for so funny ones Leslie had, we had sixty, we had a hundred people on, on one of them, oh, which for an for an open mic um, Zoom gig is a is a huge audience. Yeah. Um, so if you've got that level of audience, it's great to do a, a Zoom gig. You know, one because you do get a response, it, it, a bit of a lag, but you kind of get used to used to that. Um, and two, you don't have to travel, and when you're when you're done, you can you know, shut your laptop. <laughs> that's and it. That's, that's <laughs> the end of it. But I think um, I think the, the the great thing about um, online gigs, and whether it's a, whether it's doing a specific online only Zoom based gig or streaming gigs from a live venue, is it's brilliant for accessibility because there are people who either can't get to that part of the country exactly. because it's a long way away, or there are people who, for whatever reason don't leave the house, whether that's a physical or a, or a mental condition that prevents them from doing it. And I yeah. think the the rise of online comedy in the pandemic meant that um, we were including people who weren't getting to be part of 
part of comedy audiences and I, I think it should continue and I think more venues should start to do that kind of hybrid model which I think um, you know um, uh, your favourite venue Always Be Comedy is very very good at that they do a mixture of uh, live only online only and live with streaming which I think is a great model and from a business point of view it makes sense you know yeah. you can sell more tickets to people that you wouldn't yeah. be able to sell yeah, tickets yeah. to yeah. Um, totally and it, obviously you've got setup costs and things like that yeah. I understand it's not yeah. necessarily uh, it might take a little while to pay off but it just to me it seems a little bit of a no-brainer as to well this is a way to get more people to watch uh, more people to watch and know who you are as a comedian and a way for promoters to get more tickets sold for events so it feels like the sensible way to move forward with it exactly i i i totally agree with that when it when lockdown first happened um when they were all first trying out the online comedy there was no audio so um i would go to these gigs i would sit in i would, I would sit in there and i would laugh but i was laughing uh silently at them and i thought i was going to be taken away because i was laughing at four yeah. walls you know it was, it was it was really really odd but when they introduced the audio element to it, the comedians could do the timing of the jokes, they could chat to the audience, it was so, so much easier for them. And they became very, very popular, obviously, because everybody was locked down. Um, yeah. and I, um, I think it, cre it creates a more intimate experience yeah, between the so. audience and the performer, because yeah. you as an audience member get to talk to a performer in a way that you just wouldn't yeah. in a live venue. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Having said all that, for me, you can't beat live. Because because you no. don't know, it's it's of its moment, and you you know you just do not know what's going to happen. I love to go out on a Saturday night, have a few beers, and then laugh like a drain at uh, a live event. But long live online comedy because um, you know it uh, for all the reasons that you've mentioned. Thank God uh, it, they've been able to do it. Otherwise, I, I don't think I would have got through lockdown. It, 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 was, yeah. a, it was a lifeline for me. It really was. Um, yeah, absolutely. Same here, really. Yeah, so much. So. And, well, for you, it's your career. You know, so well, it, yeah, it's become what I do now. So, um, yeah. Good on um, you, my friend. I really um, wasn't expecting that when I started watching online comedy. No, on no, no, no. 2020. No. Yeah, exactly. Um I've so much enjoyed talking to you. You've been a fantastic Thanks, guest. You're a, you're you're such an intelligent uh, comedian. It's so good with your answers. Um, just before we go, um, have you got anything else you'd like to say? Where can people find you on social media? Have you got any gigs or any writing or anything like this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to say, like, thank you for having me as well. I've absolutely loved talking to you. My pleasure. Um, like. You know, fellow comedy nerds, it's always good to just chat comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, in terms of socials, I'm uh, that baldy fella on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You're not um, bald. <laughs> I mean, I've, got, I've got a bit in, yeah. but um, uh, there was a comedian recently who told me that I just wasn't bald enough, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm that baldy fella. I also do, um, I've started doing streaming on Twitch as well now. Brilliant. Um, and I'm mostly it's, it's either me chatting about nerdy things, whether that be comedy, uh, books, uh, sci-fi, um, Excellent. that sort of stuff. And I occasionally do things like, um, 
playing choose your own adventure games with the chat or board games where you can do sort of solo play and involve the chat a little bit um Brilliant. and that's quite good fun I've, I've started doing that recently and that's so i'm again i'm that baldy fella on uh twitch.tv um and it's fella with an a at the end that's brilliant, and and just remind the people, the, the the um viewers and listeners when um sofa so funny's on. Yes, so sofa so funny is uh, every second Monday of the month at St Christopher's Inn pub in London Bridge, and as of May, um, uh, Leslie's going to be trialling a second night at the flying horse uh near liverpool street on the third wednesday of the month so brilliant uh yeah so from may onwards that uh that's a trial in may so hopefully that will keep running uh it depends when this podcast goes out hopefully it will still be going by then I'm but sure. the uh, second monday of the month at, at london bridge is the is is the sort of definite regular night for sofa so funny well, I'll, I'll, I for one will be at both of those and I will see you live on stage again very soon. And I'm so okay. looking forward to seeing you at Edinburgh. I'm delighted you've got a few spots there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Edinburgh's going to be good fun and I will definitely have at least a beer or two with you at some point. Definitely, my Edinburgh, friend. I think. Thank, you, <laughs> thank you so much for your time tonight. Right. Today has been wonderful. Me. And all the best to you. Cheers, Rich. Thanks now.